Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Yes, that is the sound of the victory parade taking laps for one Islam Makachev, now the undisputed lightweight champion of the world. He stops Charles Oliveira in the second round. He gets it done. The champion has a name, and his name is Islam Makachev. Damn right it is. Yes, we will get to you in your victory lap, Jed Mishu. Don't you worry about that. But welcome to the UFC 280 post-fight show here at MMAfighting.com. We've been with you pretty much all day long, and we appreciate you sticking around with us. We got a crew here. I am Mike Heck. We got Shaheen Alshadi back with us once again, deputy editor, MMAfighting.com. Mr. Victory Lap himself throwing his own parade for himself, Jed Mishu. And we have Casey on the ones and twos as well without uh, much of a voice. So he might have to write down on a piece of paper his thoughts and feelings and put them up to the camera for us to read out loud. So, I've got a lot of thoughts and feelings based on our off-mic conversations, Mike. <laughs> yeah, it's it's getting insane. a little heated probably, before the show started. Hot mic. Listen, yes, I, I, I was a little heated up. But let me just say, let me, let me start here. And I want to start with you, Sean. And we'll get to you in your victory lap, Jed. Trust me, I'm going to give you as much time as you want to, to lap around. You could take two laps if you want. Love but, laps. Sean, you he's, you joined. He's taking a victory lap for like the next week. So there's no rush. I here. know. Yes, I am. Sean, you were on for the final two fights of this card on our inaugural watch party with myself and yes. Connor Burks. You were on for both title fights. You watched them both unfold with us. They were dominant. 10 years from now, when your child comes up to you and says, Dad, tell me about October 22nd, 2022. Tell me about UFC 280. What's the first thing you're going to tell your child? Is it Islam Makachev? Is it Aljamain Sterling? Is it Bilal Muhammad's coming out party? Is it Sean O'Malley, Piotr Jan doing the damn thing? Like, what's the first thing you're going to say? I mean, in all likelihood, the the tagline 10 years from now will probably be that it was the start of the Islam Makachev era, right? I mean, this is something that we have sensed coming for a long time. Uh, the narrative around Islam for basically the entirety of his entire UFC career has been the guy. He is the heir apparent. He is the next Habib Nurmagomedov. He is the next Dagestani wrestling prodigy. He is going to be champion in this division sooner rather than later. Uh, and it took us a while to get there, man. I mean, this road was not easy for him. There were a lot of canceled fights. A lot of fights turned down. A lot of doubts just in general. Does Islam deserve to be here? He, he doesn't, he, he didn't earn his shot. He didn't fight. How about you beat a top five guy? All of this. And he comes out here and he does exactly what Khabib did. He did exactly what Islam does every time we see him. He was dominant, right? Like it was utterly dominant. It was, there was not 
it, it was a fun fight to watch and it was very exciting in the moment but looking back on it it was not very competitive if you if you're honest with ourselves here and you're right i mean islam makachev is the lightweight champion of the world now he might be the lightweight champion of the world next year as well and maybe the next year after this this division has been one of chaos and parody since the its existence there's a reason uh that no lightweight champion has really been able to mount much of a sustained title defense it's because there is so much damn talent at 155 and once you get that belt it's only one or two before you have to pass it off to someone else habib Nurmagomedov looked like the guy who was going to break that streak but then he did what he did and he left in the middle of his prime it now feels like Islam is ready to take up that mantle and maybe become who we thought it, Habib would be in general in terms of the history books and how, you know a long reign. Maybe Islam's ready to take that. I would not be surprised if a few years from now, obviously it's very early. I'm not trying to predict this ahead of time. I'm not trying to be oh, too much with it or too much too soon, but I would not be surprised if, if 10 years from now we look back and this was the start of the longest lightweight reign in the history of this division. Now we might have some new viewers, Jed. So let's do a, like a little split screen with me and Jed, so we could we could lay this out. Make sure we tell the story appropriately for Jed says what he has to say. So it was I don't know. It was probably a year ago. We were having a conversation about the lightweight division, Jed, and you know something we talked about in MMA fighting all the time. And I tried to tell Jed that Islam Makachev was the best lightweight in the world. I tried to tell him this, and he just didn't want to believe me. And then like yeah. a week ago, he changed. Face. I'm just kidding. Jed has been on this for a true. while. He's been on ranking since shows. January. He, I want to be Jed clear. I have had him as the number one lightweight since January. And finally, I am proven correct. God, it's is good. this do you do we spell vindication J-E-D? Or <laughs> do you not or do you not feel or do you not feel vindicated right now because you've been calling this all along that he was the dude. No, really he was just the uncrowned dude. <laughs> yeah, this just feels great, especially because the rest of this card was catastrophically bad for my predictive abilities. So I thought going into the main event, I was like, man, I don't know what's happening, but I'm getting everything as wrong as possible. So <laughs> I think Charles is just going to like guillotine him <laughs> instantaneously. And then that fight went exactly how I thought it would and wrote about and have talked about. And that dude, that dude's the best lightweight in the world. And he's one of the best pound for pound fighters in the world. And that's, that just is it's you know what what Sean said, and I think I understand why people don't want to ascribe onto Habib or onto Islam Habib's achievements, and you shouldn't, but in the same regard, like it's not unreasonable to do so. He's he's just Habib. He's made if he's 80% of Habib, he's still better than everybody else in that weight class. And Habib told us for ever, literally as long as he's in, like Islam's the only dude who's ever given me like one rounds against me in, in training. Islam's the next guy. Islam is peaking. He's hitting his athletic peak, his mental peak. This is the dude. And there's no reason not to believe what Habib says because that man clearly knows what the hell he's talking about when it comes to fist fighting. I don't want to take too big a victory lap in general because it's not like I was on some – back in January maybe I was on an island. As this fight got closer, I think a lot of people were with me. The one thing I do want to say here is one incredible post-fight work from them. Islam immediately big up in Abdul Manap, giving Habib the belt, Habib taking the mic. I'm sure we'll get into that. But for me, one of the first things and one of the most impactful and important things to me is Abdul Manap Nurmagomedov, man. Like he took two kids from the mountains of Dagestan 
and made them the best two fighters in the world, certainly in their weight class and very, very reasonable to argue, just full stop the best fighters in the world. That is an unbelievable thing to do. Like you, nobody does that. That's not a thing that happens. And I, Habib's loss is obviously in, incomprehensible and that's not where we can, but the sport of MMA lost a ton when he passed and the completion of father's plan was really touching and awesome and, and effective for me. So I, one of the first things I was thinking about was Abdul Manap and how this was all what he envisioned. And it finally came, came to pass, even if he's not here with us. Yeah. There's a lot of talk about legacy and comparing different legacies where Habib stands and all of this. And one thing I always kept saying throughout all of this, is that Islam's success only helps Habib's legacy overall and especially him getting this title a month from now, like we're sitting down eating Thanksgiving dinner. Habib Nurmagomedov could be the coach, like the head coach of the two lightweight champions. And a lot of people's eyes, the two biggest seems promotions. really likely he's going to very be. likely. Yes. Like, I'm, I, yeah. I'm actually really more confident. Likely. I'm actually more confident. Usman Nurmagomedov is going to be Patricky Pitbull than you were with Islam Makachev beating Charles Oliveira. That's yeah. how confident I am in this fight. So, I am equally dude, as confident in that outcome. Yeah. Sir. So it's just, it's just amazing to see what this guy continues to do as a coach. And Sean, I wanted to bring this up because Jed sort of painted the picture here. We watched it all live. We didn't really get to react to it because there was just all sorts of chaos. But what was more impressive? Was it the performance overall or was it just the complete wherewithal to promote between not just Islam Makachev but Habib, the UFC too because they they shouted out Islam, big smile. He knew it was going to happen. He's still humble about it. Hands the mic over to Habib. Habib calls out the number one pound-for-pound guy. Let's do it in your home turf. Let's get him in here for a face-off. And Volk jumps the rail, and they get in. They have a very friendly face-off, and it looks like this fight's going to happen. So was it more impressive, the in-cage product with Makachev, or just the incredible wherewithal with everybody afterwards to plant the seeds and grow this beautiful flower that's going to be Islam Makachev versus Alexander Volkanovsky for the lightweight title, likely in February in Perth? I mean, the in-cage performance was obviously Im- impressive, but just like how how much fun was that, man? They actually sold me on this, like going into tonight and generally throughout the pat- the lead up to this as this is full agreement, sort of a full conversation and a, a, a discussion point. Jed and I have been aligned on this in that like I haven't really been excited or interested in seeing Alexander Volkanovsky go up to 155 and do this thing that he wants to do. Right now, 145 is very wide open, right? There's a lot of young names coming up. There's a lot of young talent that he has not fought. People act as if he's cleared out the division, and really all he's done is beat Max a bunch of times, and then you know a couple other guys like Ortega and Korean Zombie. Like There's still a lot of really, really good names at 145 who I want to see him defend against. And again, this is the person I have as the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world. So I've been pretty cold and lukewarm on this whole idea in general. But they absolutely sold me on this, man. You're right. The way this was put together. How much fun is Habib in this sort of like pro wrestler manager role? Because he, whatever he did tonight was absolutely s- sensational just in terms of taking the mic, ma- plotting the course, planting the seeds, and then Islam running with it. And it was all done. It seemed very organic. Nothing seemed forced. Uh, and then, you know, it's very rare in the UFC that we get these sort of cage side or in the cage face off stare downs of this is what's next. 
they basically willed it into existence. Habib and Islam did by by calling Vulcan up and really just making this uh, making this whole thing uh, into a very real thing that we're about to see. And, and it, they almost just forced the UFC's hand. I actually am very excited about this now. I, I didn't think I would get there, uh, especially as quick as I got there. But just the way this was packaged, the way this was presented to us, uh, is very intriguing. And, and Volkanovski really said to me that the ta- the best tagline for this fight, which is you know, hey, your lightweight belt on the line, my pound for pound number one status on the line, like that is incredibly incredibly compelling and i know we're talking about hey this is the beginning of the islam makachev era volkanovsky to me presents the hardest challenge to islam makachev at 145 over 155 just in general of, of the people that he could fight in the next couple of, of fights with whoever it would be volkanovsky presents to me by far the hardest stylistic challenge and just generally the hardest challenge to that belt so if islam's able to get past volkanovsky and, and doing it out there in enemy territory in perth like that's going to be an incredible scene Oh boy, man! Then we're we're on to something special at that point in this reign, I think. But I, I'm I'm in. I'm all in. I didn't. I fully did not expect to be here with you guys saying that, but I'm actually in on this. You know what's crazy about this, Jed? You know what's crazy what? about this, Jed? And I'll and I'll get back to you. We were literally on the watch party talking about. Benil Dariush is next. He's got to be next, yes, right? That was and me. then thirty no. seconds why, why later, why are you talking about that? Who? What, who? Who thought that? What man alive <laughs> thought that? Nonsense. I actually thought I actually thought the way this fight played out, I'm like, I don't think he's gonna get the title shot, yeah, but like no chance. he's more in play at this very second than he was at all this entire week. Just the way that fight played out, he way Islam been. won. It was the most compelling fight. And then everything that happened afterwards, you're just like, man, Benil at least got the win. So that's good. You got to show up and fight and get a win. So he's out of the equation. But the question I want to ask you is how did you react to the post fight greatness? Of both guys i love the pro wrestling manager comparison i think that's that's very very apt it makes all the sense in the world but which how do you compare the feeling that you have right now thinking about islam makachev versus alexander volkanovsky compared to when you saw the fight poster watched ufc long island and found out that islam makachev was fighting charles Oliveira for the title is it the same is it different are you more excited for volkanovsky what do you think it's different. Um, I don't know if I'm more excited, but I'm with Sean. I'm very much in on this now because of what they did. And like th- this is the most perfect distillation of knowing your freaking job and yes. knowing how to get the things you want and what you want. Because what Islam and Habib did at the end of that, like Sean said, they willed this into existence. And maybe there was traction, there was mo- momentum that way, sure. But they made this a real thing by saying this, hey, bring Volk in. Volk has that great line of your, your lightweight belt, my number one pound for pound status. That's it. That's promotion. The exact opposite of this is Benil Dariush thanking Jesus and saying, I don't <laughs> care. I'll fight 10 people. Then you're going to fight 10 more times, dude. Say the things you want. Stand up for yourself and ask for the things because even if he had done the right thing and not sucked ass on the mic afterwards, he still isn't getting that shot because of what happened in the main event. But he hamstrung himself. And this is, again, I was the most anti volt doing this of probably anyone in media. Like I I have hated this from Jump Street because I want to see Volk fight Honored Allen and Yair Rodriguez and, and Josh Emmett and all the dudes in his actual weight class. But the way they pitched it, this is fight promotion. This is actually doing the thing. And it makes it compelling. It makes it interesting. It gives you a tease and you want more. And so this was awesome. I'm super in on it. The silver lining is once a beat beats Volk, 
then Volk can pretend, you know, start pretending like he's disrespecting people don't believe in him, and there will at least be some validity to it. And he'll go back to his weight class and actually fight his own freaking fighters. So I'm stoked on this fight in general. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I agree. I had to throw in that because I've now become a Volkanovsky hater because he's forcing me to be. I'm with Shaheen. I think he maybe is the most like interesting, difficult challenge for Islam. And for Islam to say, I'll go to that dude's backyard and tool him up. I don't care. That's like that's how you become the pound, pound best fighter in the world. That's how you make people give a shit about you. Like it's so, so good. They handled this unbelievably well from pillar to post. And especially when you consider that if you looked at him at weigh-ins, he was obviously terrified of fighting Charles Oliveira and, and he didn't want any part of it because people are stupid and don't understand who Islam Makhachev is. So this is awesome. I'm all the way in on it. And I'm really excited that the lightweight champion has a name and it's Islam Makhachev. It's gangster. Well, it was gangster. I, I just yeah, have to add, gangster, it, man. It, it was absolutely right, gangster as your first move, literally seconds within your title reign as a lightweight champion is, hey, the number one pound for pound fighter in the entire sport, I'm going to your backyard in front of whatever, 50,000 fans or whatever that's going to be in front of your countrymen and I'm going to beat you. Like that is so gangster to just invoke in your first few seconds as champion. Like that's, I love it. Can you imagine if Aljamain Sterling ever did one gangster thing in his <laughs> Life like that, like a thing that made people like you, it would be unbelievable. Go. Maybe someday. Maybe someday we'll get that. But I do want to touch on I do want to touch on Charles Oliveira, Sean, because again, a a lot about legacy and you know, if he beat Islam, is he up there with Habib and all that? And I think what ended up being the more important story of all of this is that despite the loss and despite how this fight went, it was one-sided. Charles real moments that he had in this fight were off of his back. And it was an elbow off his back, and then he landed a big up kick in the second round. Other than that, he was blanked in this fight by, by Islam Makhachev. Islam did exactly what he wanted to do. But we forget things happen with recency bias of the sport more than any other sport. And we can't forget just how incredible this run was for Charles Oliveira. This guy was must-see TV as a champion, and I don't care what happened with the whole Gaethje thing. Like, we've talked about this a million times in the, the, the weight miss and everything. You want to strip him, whatever. In a lot of people's eyes, this dude was still the champion heading into this fight with Islam Makachev, and in a lot of people's eyes, he lost the belt. What do we have to do to preserve this just incredible run from Charles Oliveira, which I don't want to be forgotten because – he lost a one-sided fight to a guy who was a horrible stylistic matchup for him. Yeah, I think that's a, a really important point to note, Mike, is that it is important to to look back and remember what we just what we just saw, right? Because it is it's the turning of a page, it's a new era coming in. But you look back in the sort of the history of the UFC, or at least the modern history of the UFC. Robbie Lawler is the guy. Like Robbie Lawler has the most exciting title reign in the history of this sport. It's not even close. Like he every fight he was in was fight of the year. It was just ridiculous. Outside of that, Charles Oliveira might actually have the second most exciting title reign in UFC history and he at the very least has the most exciting lightweight title reign we have ever seen. Every single fight that guy was in it was an absolute banger and it was just consistency every time out in terms of you know you are going to want to be in your seat 
sitting there watching the TV when Charles Oliveira is defending his title or just fighting for the title. Like that is that is something that cannot be overstated. Um, and it's, it, it is important for us to remember because you look at the names that Charles went through over the course of this run. It's basically everyone in the top five outside of Islam. Like it was a, an incredibly impressive run at lightweight. And I, I don't want to throw dirt on Charles's grave. He is very much not done. Uh, but it does feel like we have now reached sort of a new chapter in his career, right? Because he is 33 years old. That doesn't feel old. That doesn't sound old. But he is a lot the same of miles, type. Of, though. That's the thing. He's uh, the same type of 33 as like a Shogun 33 or like a Jose, Jose Aldo, Aldo 33. <laughs> yeah, like the, the, the fight years matter a lot. And Charles has been in the UFC for a long, long time. And he's also just and a guy who's taken a lot of damage. In a lot of he these has fights, been dropped in every one of his fights. Yeah. The last he, like five of them. It he is. takes a lot of damage, and he ha- and that's not a new thing. Like he was taking damage ten years ago in some of these fights, right? So the mileage is certainly adding up on him. I would be surprised if he ever regained the title again. I'm certainly not writing him off, and I think he's still a very viable contender in this division. I think he's going to still stick around and be in important big fights. Uh, but for the most part. Sorry, my phone started. But for the most part, I, I, it is important to remember just what we saw with this guy and how damn impressive this whole thing was. Because in my eyes, I'll, I'll repeat it again, this is the second most exciting title reign that we have seen in the OC. And now he gets to probably fight Benil Dariush next. And Benil I'm not probably... Sure that's a good fight for him. Yeah. I think that's a really bad fight for him, actually. <laughs> but... yeah, we'll see what happens. But say, just kind of... Do you want to add to that at all, Jed? Because I think this is an yeah, important just thing, a little bit, Come, especially coming off of a loss here. Just, just a little bit. One, uh, full respect, Charles Oliveira. Uh, he handled it really well. I thought he handled missing weight in his last fight like about as bad as you possibly can. But he took this out on the chin, said all the right things, and said all the right things. Said, you know, I lost. That's on me no disrespect i'm coming back this is i'm not done i'm here like can't find any fault with how he treated this how it all went down great from him on that regard i will also say we the part of the thing that made me frustrated with the is Oliveira the goat conversation is that it it's contextualizing him in ways that i think aren't fair and are just like don't appreciate what he is because I'm with Sean. I think there's a very, very good argument that he's the second most exciting champion in the history of this sport based on the performances he had while champion behind Robbie Lawler. We don't pretend that Robbie Lawler's the welterweight GOAT, and we don't even really say that he's like numbered the second greatest welterweight of all time or the third. He was the most exciting dude who was a deserved champion, and this is awesome. And you can appreciate and respect those guys without – having to contextualize them in the pantheon of all timeness because by definition being one of the most exciting guys probably means you're not one of the greatest because you're only exciting if you're vulnerable and that was what charles was at at times and so i am glad that that conversation gets to be dead forever now and we can instead appreciate charles for being this incredible exciting fighter who brought joy to our lives outside of arguing well is he better than habib because that doesn't that misses the mark and isn't nearly as important as that dude just rules and is incredibly fun to watch because even me the biggest islam guy the whole time i i never said a bad word about charles Oliveira because you can't because that dude rules and is awesome to watch and he's still going to rule in six months from now in two years even if he doesn't get back to another title shot or whatever it's still going to be awesome to see him do the things he's been doing because he is awesome to watch and that's the most important thing 
Yeah, there's so many fun fights for him. Even if he doesn't, again, I think Throw Charles put himself in. Yeah, there's, yeah he's put himself anybody. in a position. Where, yeah, he Max, can go up to 170 and have again. fun fights. Max again, let's that's that's again. awesome. Boom, like he go. can just have fun fights here and just build the legacy that way and still I'm make a really bunch of money. Into and, Max again, actually, I'm that's really fun. into that fight. That fight is Max awesome. against a lot of these guys at 155. Like this, this sort of older guard in the top five. Like Max against any of those guys is great. And hopefully, this Volkanovski thing is enough of a paradigm shift to this division where we start to look at some of these up and comers, take them a little bit more seriously, give the guys who haven't gotten their opportunity, the chance to get their opportunity. And I think Islam Makachev, he goes out there, dominates Volkanovsky, even though Volkanovsky is a 45er, he's still the pound for pound best. The UFC will do a great job building it as such. And maybe it'll create a nice little paradigm shift to move the division along a little bit. I, I, and hey, to, to John a, Jones beat a lot of middleweights, and everyone calls him the goat. So nothing wrong with beating up dudes who are smaller than you. To, to add to what you just said, Mike, too, though the paradigm shift, like the lightweight division. I know this is something Jed and Jed and I have both spoken about this quite a bit. Is has been like for as good as this division is, and it is, in my opinion, the best division in the sport. It has been incredibly frustrating over the last several years of just this this weird. Uh, or a Boris esque cycle of just these same few guys getting the same opportunities, and then when they lose their title fight, they go and they fight each other, and they just sort of you know really hog the top five, and no new names can break through. Islam is like the first real new name that we have had in this whole mix in quite a while, right? Because Charles was sort of still floating around in that top five before he became champion. I hope that this is exactly what you said, where this is sort of opens the floodgates to where we can start seeing a guy like a Fiziev or a Gamrod or a Sarukian or whoever. Like there's so much talent. Jalen Turner, like there's just so much at 155. And the guys are just not getting their opportunities because Dustin Poirier and, and Michael Chandler are fighting, and then the winner of that's going to fight for the title. And it's just the same, you know, you know exactly what I'm saying. Just the same cycling in, cycling out of these four or five guys. I hope that this is sort of breaks through all of that, and we start seeing some of the some of the new blood, some of the new talent come up and get in these opportunities because they very much are deserving, and this division is too good to not let that happen. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. 
And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Absolutely agree. So let's move on to the co-main event. Aljamain Sterling, still the Bantamweight champion. (laughs) Still the Bantamweight champion. Defeats CJ Dillashaw. Look, I understand. We all saw the shoulder stuff. It was very weird and strange, especially trying to watch it live and try to host a show and have conversations. We're trying to figure out what's going on. And even at certain points during the fight, even the commentators had no idea what was going on. But, Sean, I'm going to say something that I said off air that created a stir, and I want to get your thoughts on this. To me, I felt that the, this fight was defined in the first 25 seconds. When Aljamain Sterling came out and started landing shots, TJ Dillashaw, the look in his eyes was like, uh-oh, didn't see this coming. And then the takedown happened, obviously the shoulder and, and everything. And it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. We'll never really truly know. But just seeing the – and I'm not a psychologist or a body language expert – but after watching the first 20 seconds of Aljamain landing punches cleanly to the face of TJ Dillashaw, I felt like I picked wrong. I backed the wrong horse and I backed it pretty early. Am I nuts for thinking that? Is the shoulder thing like how how much do you weigh the shoulder injury? How much do you weigh that in the overall landscape of this fight? Because to me, even though it was a short sample size, the vibe I was feeling was I backed the wrong horse. Aljo is going to dominate this man one shoulder, two shoulders, even if he grew a third arm, I felt the size, the stature, the athleticism, the clear strength he had, even it, it was so small, but that was just the vibe I had. Am I nuts for feeling that way? No, I don't think you're nuts. And I think that's probably the right way to feel like we all watched the same fight. The shoulder, the shoulder ultimately plays a big part, right? Because we didn't see a TJ Dillashaw with a hundred percent of his abilities. I see you making faces over there. My guy, Jed body language. Uh, <laughs> The shoulder plays a big part because just we didn't fascinated by this, these takes. You don't think the shoulder played any part at all in that fight? No, I think the shoulder played, played a big a part. part. It's very understated yes. in what yes. that was. Yeah, the shoulder played a massive part in this fight, obviously. Of course it did. He didn't come of course in it did. 100%. That being said, I do think Aljamain probably beats TJ more times than not if they fight 10 times. Just the way we saw, at least right now, this version of TJ, 36 years old. Again, we talked about it quite a bit. Would have been the oldest UFC champion under 170 by far if he would have won this fight. Best TJ Dillashaw is just not around anymore. What I'm more upset about is that this is like I, I hate to, to bring it back Get here. Him. I, Get I him. hate to bring Trump. it back here. Get him. Because we've talked about it so damn much, but just I'm gonna bring it back here because this was the fight that UFC wanted. This was the fight that UFC pushed forward against everyone else's wishes. All of the fans, like a lot of the hardcore fans, wanted Jose Aldo to get this shot because he deserved it. He earned it, et cetera. He had a long winning streak. It was, it was the last ride for Jose Aldo. He was coming in. It would have been a really fascinating stylistic fight for Aljamain Sterling. And instead, the UFC forced this down our throat because that's what they do. They want the big name, et cetera. And I know TJ Dillashaw has got the brand of a former champion in this division, whatever. And, and so we get a TJ Dillashaw who has been injured since April, seemingly. And 
at that point, I would imagine a lot of people in the UFC know that TJ Dillashaw is injured. And he's he's talking trash in the media to try to can get Aljo to fight a certain different fight and et cetera, et cetera. And we lose Jose Aldo, uh, give, throwing him against a grappler who has no actual clear path to the title because his teammate is a training partner in elevation uh, in a fight that no one actually wanted. When really we could have just done Jose Aldo versus Aljamain Sterling this whole damn time and it would have been infinitely better uh, in every respect than whatever the hell this this version of this that we got was because this was a very silly fight to make from the get-go and now that we know tj has been hurt this entire time it looks even sillier in retrospect i just can't believe the ufc messed this up so bad uh when it comes to this particular one because it was sitting right there it was the easiest thing in the world and they just completely ignored it and went the opposite way yeah, that was our collective yeah. that was our collective vindication because we've all been preaching this. We've all been preaching this. Even when TJ was up there at UFC 273 in Jacksonville, he came in as the guest fighter. We're all like everyone thinks Jose Aldo should get the title shot and he's like, "Well, I would love to fight him next." But that was it. Like he just put himself over and turns out we were all right the entire time. It was a much more compelling fight, much more competitive fight as we found out. Yes, Jed, go ahead and and, and crap on my take if you want. But again, the sample size is about obviously the shoulder I'm played a factor. I'm saying your take is wrong uh, or on on the merits. I'm saying that it's wrong in the in the in the being. Like we we learned nothing. It is entirely possible that you are absolutely correct and that TJ has passed it. That fight was as close to invalid as as a learning tool as anything I have ever seen. The win totally counts. Man got in there and fought like an idiot, got his comeuppance as a, as a result of it. But the only thing I learned is a thing that I knew beforehand, which is that a one-armed fighter cannot fist fight another professional fighter, particularly when one that guy is one of the very best fighters in the world. Like it is... I am not willing to make a determinative statement about the what could or would have been based on 30 seconds of action with the guy who actively knew he was compromised. <laughs> like it is that could have been anything had he been like a right, like full blown, but it wasn't. And so I'm not taking away from Aljo's win. That's a win. He moves up in my pound for pound rankings because of the quality, like the quality of opposition, even given the circumstances. But I am not willing to say that Aljo wins that fight more times and loses because I just learned nothing. Like there is, it is impossible. If 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 the shoulder had come out in a, you know, um, trying to think, what are some of the injury stuff that had happened earlier this year or whatever Try to think of some of those off the top of my head and I'm, I'm drawing blanks right now if tommy if it was a tommy aspinall sort of injury like truly caused in totality by the effect of aljo i'd have a little bit better feeling but this being like i i've i said it on our uh, while we were doing the the conference stuff like i blew out my shoulder playing rugby at uga and i spent my whole senior season with it and it just it 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 never i get touched and it would fall out you can't do this there was no opportunity for tg to have success and so i'm not going to gain anything for, or project on what would have happened the only things i will say are f that dude because fighting in that circumstance and denying jose aldo is super shitty the other side of it is that if a miracle had happened and tj lamps him or whatever then he's still on the shelf for a year which is still being shitty to the rest of that division knowing where the position you're at it's all trash but most importantly guys <laughs> the most important thought i had after this was isn't it interesting that this is the week 
right before a prominent professional fighter who hasn't fought in a long time uh, and has a long-standing injury from apparently April that clearly a lot of people knew about. Very fun that this is the week the UFC decides that fighters are not allowed to bet on fights, huh? Huh? With inside information being available. Hmm. Huh. That's an ad- Funny how that, that goes. A- Funny how that goes, all I'm saying. That's very interesting. Good. Very interesting, very the timing of that with such a prominent injury that clearly anyone who knew it would have... There is a 0% chance TJ's camp was betting on TJ to win this fight. Not a soul in that room. It's going to be like, yeah, TJ's going to do the thing. Uh, they, if they were smart, they would have bet money on Aljo because had I known... I'd have backed up the Brinks truck in that bet. So just saying, just throwing it out there, guys. That's a very Conspiracy interesting Conspiracy Jed. But the Aldo thing, the Aldo thing is honestly the biggest takeaway of all of this. Is they screwed the pooch. <laughs> UFC has UFC has done matchmaking and building like like look what they do with Alex Pereira to get us to Israel Adesanya. I mean, this is it was brilliant. It was perfect. All laid out beautifully. It all worked out. And then this was just we're, we're, like everybody wants it. We just ain't gonna give it to them. Like, it's so ridiculous. It's absolutely insane. And it's a vindication that doesn't even make me feel good at the end of the day because Jose Aldo's retired coming off of a loss to Barab de Wallace-Willie, and Barab gained nothing from that. It's just so silly. And now we're in this position we're in right now. And now Aljamain Sterling, I don't know what we're going to do here because now Dana, I cannot believe. I mean, here's how Dana White feels about this division right now. He actually said the two words. He dropped the name. He said I couldn't Henry believe it. into a live I could not believe and it. And I wanted to throw up Sean. What the hell are they doing? What are they doing? Man? I could not believe it. Why? Like, what are we doing here? We have you again, you have built this really fun Grand Prix that we're in the midst of. It's just one dude trying to like inch over the next. And instead of rewarding the hard work of guys like you know, Cheeto Vera, who's just out there, Bolton guys, Corey Sanhagen coming off a big win, you know, and other guys as well. Piotr Jan, Sean O'Malley at this point, Sean O'Malley. We will get to that in a minute. Like you could feel how you want about the judges scorecards, but two things happened to that fight. Sean O'Malley proved he belonged. And Sean O'Malley, when we look at the record books, beat Piotr Jan at UFC 280, whether we like it or not. So with all of this said, Sean, he says... A reporter's asking him what he thinks of the Bantamweight division. He goes, but what about Henry Cejudo? That sounds like a good time. I couldn't believe this. What are we doing here? What are we doing here with this division? It's so good. You're just throwing it in the garbage. All this hard work you've done all year, you're just throwing it away for this guy who turned his back on you two years ago and said, screw you, give me more money, and then you gave Piotr Jan a title shot that same night. He turned his back, and you didn't care. And now you want him back? What are we doing, Sean? What are we doing here? Also, why? My head is turning Dana White shades of red right now. I'm here for it's it. It's so frustrating. Preach. Mike is totally no, correct, preach. though. No, no, absolutely preach. And you, What made this even more surprising to me? That O'Malley won? Yes, that's the thing. <laughs> ultimately, if, what are we if doing? You, 
if you would have if you would have given me odds after O'Malley versus Jan of hey, what do you think the chances of Dana White just unprompted bringing up Henry Cejudo as the next challenger in this division? It, it, I would have given you my life savings and been like, nah, that's not going to happen. That's obviously ridiculous. Why would he do that right now? Because right now they have been trying to figure out ways for for years at this point to f- get Sean O'Malley to a place where they can logically give him a title fight. So that the popular guy that everyone likes will fight for the title and they'll make a lot of money. And it just fell into their laps. You're right, 100%. Sean O'Malley deserved he belonged tonight. Whatever you think about that decision, I, I scored it for Piotr Jan, 29-28. Regardless, it's not a robbery. It was a very close fight. There, they, the UFC would be absolutely justified right now in giving Sean O'Malley that title shot. And they said the whole time in the lead-up of, hey, Sean O'Malley's going to get a title shot if he gets P- if he beats Piotr Jan. And you within an hour that win that seemingly disappeared for the for Henry Cejudo for the guy who when when you are somebody who two division champion and you retire early in an effort to get more money and not only does the promotion does the promotion not give you that money but they're just kind of like ah you know see ya if you yeah you know it's no big deal if you want to go we're not going to stop that's you. E- and then, that's even putting it generously they kind of shoved him out the door and like, then every one of your come on over bud. And then every one of your 20 fake false alarm comeback attempts are met by a gigantic thud and a meh from the MMA, the collective MMA audience. Like, it's clear you're not the guy that maybe you thought you were when it comes to your popularity and such. How is that? the? How is that the one? How is that? How is now the time to, to bring him back into this this whole fold? It's just baffling to me because this is the clearest layup ever for like a big money fight in the bantamweight division to do Sean O'Malley. Like they've been trying to get this to this point for so long. And now, you know, what are we going to do? We're going to bring Henry in. I got nothing for you, Mike. I have no idea. This is baffling to me. It's baffling. No one clamoring for this. Nobody. Nobody at all is clamoring for this, except for maybe Henry Cejudo. And apparently Dana White, who has not had one kind thing to say about this man in two years, Jed Bashu. It's just also, incredible. No, one, more, one, more, one more thing. One more thing. Because no, you just brought it up and it just came to my mind. Uh, Henry Cejudo is like an Arizona guy. I, I've talked to him quite a bit. I feel like I have a good relationship with him to a certain degree. I'm super not about and appreciative of this weird thing that he's trying to do of like, hey, let's get America a champion again type of thing of whatever that tweet was he sent about Aljo. Like that is so incredibly disrespectful and like borderline racist in a way that's just like not I'm not cool sure it's at all. borderline. I'm trying to be I nice it's just here. over – I, yeah, I'm trying to be nice here, but that is so just not okay in like a, just a, as a general human to human thing. Yeah, Literally man. Like, born and raised in New York. I get what Henry's trying to do, but that missed the mark so damn hard in a way that's just not cool. Like that's just not a cool thing to throw out. Yeah, Henry's yeah. lame. <laughs> this is – I don't get it, man. This is the stupidest thing. Like this was – Sean's right. This was a layup. Like – I'll give Sean O'Malley a pass for not like staking his claim immediately afterwards because he was concussed because Piotr Jan rattled his head around a bunch in that fight. So like, I mean, he should have said it. He should have come and called the shot, but he didn't. Cool. But I don't honestly, and this is going to sound maybe a little dumb. Dana just doesn't care about fighting anymore. And like, it's so obvious that he just doesn't, he was chippy at the post fight. Like he just doesn't, want to do this this is not in him the the fighting part of it maybe he still likes being in charge of a billion dollar company or whatever like i i don't know the man i can't speak to that but like this five years ago 10 years ago dana would have been like 
all he would have been selling us O'Malley. This kid, you know, he's one of the most popular fighters. You all counted him out. All of you disrespect him. We can take all the BS disrespect that Volk thinks he has and actually give it to O'Malley because everybody did disrespect that dude. Honestly, they probably still should have. But he comes out and does this. He beats Purion, a man who I think beat the current champion in their rematch earlier this year. He's definitely getting the title fight. Book it. We're going to do that next year sometime. I'm not exactly sure timelines, but we're going to make that happen. And it would have been full court press. And he's like, I don't know. Henry, who cares? Like he just is so checked out and it sucks ass. Give me somebody who's excited about fights. If they're going to be the mouthpiece and if he can, presidents don't have to do the stuff he does. You can just have a PR guy do it and that's fine. He can just be the president and do all the things, the deals and stuff that he cares about and let somebody else be stoked about shit, man, because I don't agree. I thought the Jan won 30, 27, very competitive fight, a fight that Sean O'Malley gets respect in and a valiant loss. But the one good aspect to it is you've got this guy now. This is the dude. You've got the outcome you want. You get a title fight with him. Push this to the moon. And they fumble the bag again. Like, they just suck at things now. It's so lame. So lame. Just sub in Habib and Joanny and Jacek. Like, 50-50. Dude, Eagle FC is going to be the greatest run. promotion in yeah. the world because Habib knows how to promote, apparently. Shit. And I doubted him. But after what he did tonight, I'm st- – I'm- my promotion from our little draft we did earlier, we're making strides, baby. We're making big strides. I'm way more excited about our future than I was like even 48 hours ago. But well, I do want to, I do want to get some peeps questions. But we got to talk about the Sean O'Malley Pierre Yon fight because it was fantastic. And I know it's, yeah. it, it was weird. Just it was awesome. Not. I'll start with you on this, Jed, because it was weird just being in this situation. We're trying to like talk and just hang out and, and watch the fight and, and try to take it all in. I scored the first round for Sean O'Malley. Not, a, I think everybody else who tried to score the rounds both scored that for Jan. And I have no argument with you if you want to score that for Jan. I thought O'Malley landed the better shots at the cleaner strikes. So I gave him the first. I gave Jan two for sure. That was the clearest round of the fight. Three, I just don't see how O'Malley won the third. I just don't see it. He had moments. And I came out of that fight being like, you know what? This was the best thing that could have happened because Piotr Jan kept his spot. Sean O'Malley proved he belonged and we could put him in these fights and they make sense. Sean was very humble and it, 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 it seemed like he was humble in defeat. It seemed like he was humble in defeat because the look on his face when they scored it for him was just, I, I don't know if I'll ever forget it. It was just this look of stunned. It was just shock. Just shock on this man's face. And to your point, the way he's handled it all is much better than the way he handled the Pedro Munoz fight, is it not? This kid's growing up a little bit. I think he saw the backlash from that whole thing. And yeah, he said some things. He even, you know, humbled up with Piotr Jan's comebacks at certain points during the fight week. This kid's growing up. And I think whether or not you, no matter what this fight was scored, Sean O'Malley was a big winner today, even if you didn't score the fight for him. Yeah, I, I was going to move him up. So, oh, yeah, sorry. I was going to move no, him was, up in the rankings even if he lost. Yeah, for 100%. You have to. And it's – that's – I I don't feel like wildly confident in my scorecard because I was live blogging and it does not give you a great sense of the fight. Like I want to rewatch it and see. But I think this fight was very – to me watching it and scoring it, I did not think there was a world for controversy 
when there was like when the commentary team was saying like oh, this could be deciding in thirds like a how Piotr's up two rounds and the, he's winning this third round like it felt like a fight where we all gain respect for Sean but he loses and there's no shame in the way he even loses putting Piotr Jan in danger in a way that's never been before like that's that's real and that matters and then him getting the scorecard I don't agree I want to rewatch it it feels closer to robbery than bad decision. I know that that is a very hot button topic right now uh, on the Twitter sphere, certainly, of people being like, it's not a robbery at all. Every single MMA media person scoring it for Purian really trends towards robbery as opposed uh, to bad decision. I, I, would, but I would push That's back not that. definitive. Like, it, it's not the thing, but that's, it felt like that. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. What matters is he officially won. And so why in God's green earth are we not pushing this kid to the moon? That's the point of having him, of putting him in this position, of making Sean Shelby look like a genius for doing this. Like it is it is to take him and build him and cut a promo for him if he is too concussed or tired to make that afterwards to say, yes, this is it. So in four months when they're fighting, when he's fighting Aljo for the belt – you can have that on the promo reel. I just don't know what we're doing here. Like I really, really don't. And I want to go to Sean because I know he has thoughts. I want you to come back to me because I have some thoughts on Piotr Jan, and I'm really fascinated by where he's at right now. But I would like to talk to Sean first. I, I, I was just going to say I, I pushed back on, on it being a robbery just because I think that first round is really close. Right. That's ultimately what it's going to come down to is that first round. It feels even round three is relatively close to like it doesn't take a lot for somebody to score those round one and three for, for Sean O'Malley. So that to me doesn't it feels like a bit of a stretch to call it a robbery. But it's here's my close, but. my question, though, and that this is like a very serious question because I don't know in real time. It feels to me like Sean won the narrative battle and didn't actually win those rounds that, oh, he's not dying and he's supposed to be dying. So yeah. we're scoring rounds for him. And that's why I want to watch and see if, but like that is because real time, as I was live blogging, I thought it was pretty clearly Piotr Jan's fight, three rounds to none, competitive fights, competitive rounds. But I, I thought Jan clearly won two, if not swept him. And I don't know how much that narrative played into it. Certainly in your assessment, I don't know if that played in at all. I mean, I also scored it for Jan ultimately, right? I put, I had two to one and I felt pretty confident about it going into the decision. Like even when it was starting to be announced as a split, because you can tell the little moment when it's they're announcing scores, like, okay, this is going to be a split. I still really felt confident that it was going to end up coming out for Piotr Jan. So ultimately, I don't know. I mean, that being said, it, we, Sean came in and impressed, man. Like ultimately that dude belongs in this, in the top 10 of this division and he belongs fighting in these contender fights, right? And, and that in and of itself is a win. Uh, even if he would have lost, but you're right. The fact that this, that he did actually get the W <laughs> we're not doing the thing when the USC has been trying to do the thing with this guy for so long. And now they finally have a chance to do the thing. And now we're not doing the thing. It's just, what can you say? It's not the thing. Crazy. Just do the thing. And then, do the thing. <laughs> it's not hard. Do the thing. Just do Put the it thing. On the wall. Put it in the war room. Do the thing. That should be the motto, the mantra inside the UFC war room. Do the thing. Can we, can we briefly shout out Piotr Jan? Because like, no, I, I want you. Yeah, dude, we'll, we'll had a tough paint run. the picture. Yeah, paint the word picture. It's tough. Piotr Jan has a very, very good argument, or at least a very good argument, to being undefeated in his entire career. And I believe that this is now his fourth loss. 
Um, he took one back uh, before he came in the UFC. Event, I think that was a splitty, and they won the rematch uh, like a year later. Uh, everyone knows the Sterling first fight. Um, I think that actually that was the correct choice of DQing him, but most people, it seems, disagree and think that should have just been a no contest. That leads to the rematch, which I think that Aljo won, but Dana White included several people disagree and believe Piotr Jan won. And then this fight, which 29 of 29 MMA media people scored for him, and he did not influence the two people who actively mattered in that regard. And now we're talking about a guy who did, he did not dominate Sean O'Malley in any regard, but a guy who has a legitimate case or argument that he is the best bantamweight on earth. And he's at least two fights away from a title shot now, if he ever gets back, because like, I don't know, things happen in this sport, man. And you start, the the momentum starts going one way, even if a lot of it feels icky and not like deserved. There's got nothing to do. And sometimes you could just find yourself screwed like real, real fast. So I I don't feel bad for him, but it is really, really weird to think about like his very fragile position in this sport right now, given what we thought he was two years ago. Two years ago, he was one of the best pound for fighters in the world. And now he's not going to be on our pound for pound rankings at all. I don't think like it is. It's odd. It's super, super fascinating. Yeah. What a, what a weird career it's going to be. I can't, I can't wait to see how he bounces back, what they're going to do. There's some interesting matches for him and maybe they so can weird. do the Cheeto fight now. I don't know, but we'll see what happens, especially with this. I'm not even going to mention the good. thing. It's going to get me mad again. But that Cheeto fight makes sense. But Cheeto, Cheeto probably deserves good. better at this point, <laughs> if we're being honest. But we'll see what happens. The division's still interesting, even also, though the UFC is doing a terrible job promoting it. is going to kill O'Malley, by the way. <laughs> Aljamain Sterling is – he's going to have like a, a numerical argument to being the greatest bantamweight of all time. And everyone's going to hate him and no one's going to believe in him at all. <laughs> His t- he won the belt by DQ. He, he, he beats Jan again in a fight that several people don't think he won. He beats Dillashaw in this fuster cluck of a outcome that happened. He's going to go beat Sean O'Malley, who is an incredibly good style matchup and also was like unranked prior to the Jan quote-unquote robbery when like what an un unbelievably weird title reign in the second best division in the sport. Bantamweight's crazy, baby. It's fun. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning Bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Great win for Benil Dariush. That fight was everything fight we was hoped awesome. for and more. It was Amazing. awesome. Uh, man I underrated how good that dude is, man. Yeah. And I thought he was good, but I underrated how good that dude is. He's a real problem for every, up to and including Islam Makachev. He will give Islam a fight. I don't think he'll win it, but he'll give that man a fight. I yep. just, I, I mostly just fear that he has now sort of taken the mantle as the Tony Ferguson in this division, where he's just that guy who's eternally going to be. Fault. It's, it's just he's that guy where he's eternally going to be a very exciting fighter, someone Definitely. on a very long win streak who just isn't getting the opportunities he deserves because of politics and just the way that the machinations within this sport. Because you're, we're, we all know he's not going to get the next shot, and he's probably going to fight again, and it's probably going to be against a Charles Oliveira or someone like that, someone who is very high up there. And all of a sudden, this guy who was in a number one contender fight against Islam, rebooked multiple times in that fight, doesn't end up getting that. Islam gets the title. And then now Benil's probably going to have to fight twice since that Ooh, against very, very times. good competition. It's 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 tough, man. As uh, Like, obviously, I was the biggest Tony Ferguson guy in the world when that whole thing was going on. And I, I felt deep pain and, and sympathy for Tony when that was happening. And now I feel like he's just been transferred to Benil. And he's going to be stuck in this place where he's not going to get what he deserves within this division because this division is just inherently weird. Yeah, yes. but uh, – props to Tony Ferguson who I never gave the respect he deserved because I was a beep dude and so I probably underrated Tony in some regards but you can't say Tony didn't try like that man spoke his truth into existence as best he could and the MMA gods were cruel mother effers but he'll come out and being like Jesus has got me I'll fight 10 more I don't care like F off with that shit man act like you want it act like you want it and that, like, that's why you're going to get Charles next or whoever. He's probably not going to get Charles. He's probably going to have to fight like Jalen Turner or something next. Act like you oh, want to be here and then you will be oh, here. Man. But if you don't, if you tell Sean Shelby, I'll fight 10 more times, cool. Because if the fans aren't asking for you to get the, the hot rocket up, he'll make you fight 10 more times, man. Act like you want it, son. Act like you care because it matters. So we just saw it. Take control of your destiny. Be Islam. Be Habib. Call force will some shit into existence. We saw it work to perfection tonight. I don't understand how this is something we have to keep saying. You know who you know who actually did a good job, but actually you know who actually did a great job of that, but it started off real scary again. Started off real scary again. I was don't about to explode. It. Once I, again. Don't you say it because I disagree with you fundamentally right here, but go on. I know where you're going. I hated this one too. You didn't like the Blah Muhammad one? You only hated it for a weird reason, though, Jed. I don't know. It's not a weird reason. reason. It started off horribly. Say the man's name. We all knew who he was talking about. Of course we did. Yes, you and I know, but the average dude tuning into the biggest fight card of the year or whatever flipping channels midday on ESPN doesn't know what the hell. I'll fight the dude who weighs 179 pounds. They probably don't even know that's missing weight. What are we? Yeah, the big bad wolf. Just say his name. It's not that hard. Why will he not say Hamzat? His my, his whole thing should have just been 
I want to fight Hamzat Shemaev. F that dude. I will mess him up. I don't care if he makes weight. And instead, he like half asses around it. The best performance of his whole career. And he can't even put it to finish. It's not hard, people. He said, he said that these people oh suck at this so bad. Dude, when he said, when he said Leon Edwards' <laughs> name, I was like, you have got to be kidding me right now. I was, I was like, come on, Bilal. Are you kidding me? Like, you, this is it. This was your moment. You, like, even in Chicago, you're not getting this reception. You got a star reception. They treated you like a star all week. Not only did you beat Sean Brady, not only did you take that zero away from him, but you Dusted finished him. him. You finished his ass. You put him away. Like, some people complained it was an early stoppage. That wasn't getting any better for, for Sean Brady. He was done. Bilal won that fight. Yeah, that was a it's perfect were, fine stoppage. Were people actually complaining that that totally was early? Agree. I saw a couple like people really say a it was stopped early. It, I was like, any stoppage talking? that doesn't end with someone unconscious face down on the mat will get complaints ultimately. Any any stoppage 100%. on the feet, I guess. But damn, that wasn't an early stoppage. In any that was not an early stoppage. DC sets him up. Who do you want to fight? And he said, Leon Edwards, where are you at? And I was ready to take my laptop and throw it through the wall. And it's like, dude, he pumped the brakes and he took a turn and at least got somewhat on track. So it's better than like, calling out Colby. Oh, no. yeah, that was but, bad. If, well, also, yeah, that Hamzat's really right there, right? Hamzat's right yeah, there. That's he's the like thing, is he's in the crowd. You could have got him in. It is so not difficult to do this. And it it boggles my mind. I okay. do, because he did everything else right. Like yeah. the constant callbacks to Habib was really good. That is working the crowd in that location. But then the finish is so wet farty, like just... <laughs> it's not hard, man. It's just somebody tell somebody to ask me beforehand. I'll tell you how to do it. It's not difficult. Do okay. Can I cut in? No, hold on. Can I can I cut in? Because I feel like there's a lot of negativity right now around Bilal Muhammad on this show. That's the first of his career. Hold on. Yeah, maybe a tiny bit of it is deserved, but for the most part, it's not because that man just came out and got the kind of win that he had not had before. Right? Like, what has been the thing around Bilal Muhammad this whole past year? Is he's a boring guy who doesn't? You know, he's not a real contender. He's this guy who's sort of getting by on smoke and mirrors and all of this stuff. Like. Tonight in general was just a night of of people who have generally had people doubt them. Most of their careers really flipping the script on it in a really interesting way. Like I kind of enjoyed just the running theme throughout a lot of these fights. But Bala Muhammad, <laughs> more so than anyone, was just That's he he came really out. True. He, he came out here and got the exact type of statement win that everyone told him he couldn't get. And once again, getting doubted. I wrote, I sent out a tweet earlier of like, if you had parlayed, just somehow hypothetically been able to do this parlay, Bilal's last three fights where he He's been the underdog in all of them. You just put $100 on him. You would have won like $1,800 or something like that. Like the level to which nobody has believed in this Bilal Muhammad run has been frankly stunning. Uh, and the fact that he was able to come out here and uh, once again, underdog, lose-lose almost type of fight where he's fighting this big, strong, powerful up-and-comer who's just a very tough stylistic match for him. And I've seen a thousand previews and whatever picks this, this past week. And I don't know that I've seen anybody in the world pick Bilal Muhammad. And once again, he came out here and got it done. And exact, and again, the exact type of win that was lacking on his resume. If I if I'm in the UFC, I'm absolutely throwing Bilal Muhammad against Hamza Shmaev in a number one contender fight on that Perth card or wherever. Like, we're, no, not the Perth card, but the the Leon Edwards card, the the, the it, London card. 
Like that's the move. He is now the number one contender. If Colby's not going to sit out, if Colby's just going to sit out and not accept fights and not fight real contenders in this division, I don't see why you need to reward him with a number one contender fight. It feels like Bilal versus Hamzat is the fight, and I hope that's what gets done. Let's see. He's in a better position than Benil Darius, though, right? Yes. Absolutely. Welterweight yeah. is significantly so, less weird yes. than lightweight. See? I think he's in. A, I don't think he's in much better. I think he's in a better position. A better. I, but the I think that Benil probably gets Oliveira, and if he beats Oliveira, he's just going to get a title fight. So they're both one fight away, and they both have to beat a really, really tough guy. So they're kind of in the same position, I guess. Uh, that's a great point, though, on the this being a, a referendum on underdogs because I hadn't thought about that at all. It really was uh, outside of the main event, obviously, but everything else really was kind of the people who doubted really were like, F you guys, screw you guys, we're here. Yeah. Yep. That's pretty good. Well, Blah got a performance bonus. Good for him. Islam. Deserved. Performance bonus. Great. And Ooh, O'Malley. I have one Yon. last thing to say on that fight. Um, I'll keep it very brief because I know we're, we want to do other things. Uh, don't back up in fights, professional fighters. If you're watching this, you won't win ever. No, There are like three fighters in the world who can fight off their back foot and win a fight. And just don't do it because Sean Brady thought he could do it. And he had a lot of success right up until the minute he didn't. Come forward. Come forward regardless of anything. Be the one inflicting pressure. That is how you win fights in modern MMA. The mantra of the show, if we could take anything away from the show, and this this is not just do for MMA, this is this, this is just for life, life in general. Do the thing. Do the thing. Do the thing. Do the thing. Always do the thing. Come do forward thing. and do All the right. thing. They want you to do the thing. Just do it. Just do it. Just do, do, do the thing. thing. Casey, do we have any questions? I mean, this probably I mean just I a million. <laughs> I, I think the heat has been also, brought on in a shout out a to Manon row who arguably became a title contender tonight and no one's going to remember that at all we shouted her out did we and muhammad okay. bahayev got a finish but not that wasn't uh yeah. yeah i'm stepping back on my takes on him i'm still staying where i'm at oh I'm this one cooled you on it a bit it didn't cool me because i think he still has the bones to to win a belt he has got to learn to hate people. Like you, you have to be mean to be like a championship fighter. And I don't think he's mean. Like I think that that's it because he does. He doesn't punch people. Like as not on the feet. He was just doing flashy stuff because he I don't know wanted to do it. And he had a lot of dominant position and refused to hit him. And like, I I don't know if that's purely meanness or if he just really values his own submission game. But you can't do that you've got to hit people like that's why habib and islam rule they hit people when they're on top of them you got to do that i need to see that from him now all right crazy. let's take a couple of questions let's take a couple of questions then we gotta get out of here all right all right it's been uh this, this has been good. a day this is good because i have no voice now so I, your it, voice it, really left so quickly yeah i don't know what happened it's shocking i don't know what happened Done. You sound 85 years old. And it's on the airport. He was fine when we started the conference stuff, like the press conference yeah. stuff. He's totally fine. Then just, just wow. I don't know. <clears throat> All right. I mean, if I talk like this, I can kind of get a voice. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Neil, Neil, Di- Neil Diamond desk right now. All right. <laughs> Pull out your best Tom Waits. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, real quick. Oops. True or false? 
Benil Darius should take nothing less than a title shot. He has won eight in a row. <laughs> I think we've, I think I we've mean, just yeah. one on the head already. I, mean, I got it. If it's me, I, I'm saying true, true, but that's a bad call. That's a, like either one is a bad call, right? Because if he sits true. out, the UFC is not going to let him sit out. I doubt. I highly, highly doubt that they would let him sit out and then actually get a title shot after that. But also, if he takes a very dangerous fight, there's a good chance he could lose it. And so then we're Tony Ferguson all over again. So he's screwed either way, kind of. I think it's I think it's true because it's always great to retire on top and not take head trauma anymore. And if he waits for a title shot, he will never fight again. So yeah, retire. That's fine. He does he does have one sort of wild card in his back pocket. But it's just unfortunate that this guy is just so bad at his job. And we talked about it earlier at the Bantamweight division. Dana White wants Dariush to fight Islam Makachev. That's the fight he wants. If Dana White had his druthers, Islam would have not fought Charles Oliveira on this card. He would have fought Benil Dariush. So Dana wants this fight to happen. But now he knows, I mean, he's got to do a lot of convincing. And that's the best chance Dariush has, honestly, is that Dana invokes the... I'm the president of this damn company clause. You're giving this dude a title shot, and that's not going to happen because he understands how big this Volkanovski fight is after Habib set the table for it. So, so I, I feel bad for Benil, but sorry, man. It ain't happening. His entire post-fight press conference should have just been selling why he should fight Islam Makhachev. Like, I know he's not a trash talker. And you, we don't want you to force to be somebody that you're not, right? Like, you don't need to be somebody that you're not. You don't need to trash talk. Just sell yourself. Like, that's it. Just, like, sell yourself in the matchup. You don't need to be mean about it. You can just state your credentials, what you've done, the accolades, the win streak, how we we Dana wants this fight, et cetera, et cetera. There are so many angles to do this without being like, hey, Islam, you're a dick. Like, it's it's possible. I, I just can't believe we didn't get it. Preach. The pro wrestling model back in the 70s and 80s for cutting promos and calling dudes out was actually putting them over to do it. Like, this guy's so great. I would it. love to. I would love to face him for the title. Like, it'd be great. The fans should come out and see it. Like, just say a name. Like, you don't have to be mean about it. Just be like, hey, Islam, I respect the hell out of you, man. But if you beat Charles Oliveira, you've said you wanted to fight me before. Habib's a man of his word. Are you a man of yours? If it's you so are, easy. I'll be here yeah. waiting. That's they it. Have, That's not mean. The story, the story is right there. The story is right it's there. It's right there. Boom. Yeah. Your wins don't speak for shit. You have to speak for yourself, and that's it. Like that just is what it is. Biggest loser Biggest tonight loser to me. Tonight? Who lost? T.J. Dillashaw. T.J. Dillashaw. Yeah. Well, he's losing in my rankings. That's for damn sure. <laughs> I saw. I saw a little preview of that. I had a, a hell of a chuckle when I saw where you were putting him. Uh, T.J. Dillashaw. Man, he, he's not going to get another Sean. shot, right? He's not going to get another shot. No, he's done. He's done. The silver she's, medalist is Kaylin Chukagian because she's she's well she. She's but, probably never but, getting a shot anyway. Yeah, but yeah. she's still Caitlyn she Chukagian, though, right? You know, like she kind of yeah, leaves the weight still bad. being yeah. Caitlyn Chukagian in the exact same spot that Caitlyn Chukagian was in. I actually still think the answer is Charles Oliveira. Boom, that's it. Because I don't know if you guys remember um, twelve hours ago when there was a conversation about whether he was the goat, but that conversation left. It's not here anymore, and I don't think it's coming back. So that's a, a big loss, even if he's still like a winner in career-wise, et cetera. That's yeah, that evaporated. What would Oliver but need to do to get a rematch? What would Oliver need to do to get a rematch of Islam? He's got to get two good he's gotta, wins. Yeah, he's got to probably get two. You think at least I think, two? I, don't, I, think, I think it has to be two. El, el, 
Yeah. Two good ones, I, I would say. But also, like, was there a real conversation about Islam or about Charles being know, the goat? Or was there? That but no, no. But hold on. But was it a real conversation? Or was it a fake? The fake kind of conversation we have once any champion has defended his belt once, and people just start being like, "Hey, this is uh, if, the best one I've ever seen," with no perspective. Of if Oliver Triangle, well, it was definitely that Islam now in hindsight. If, if Oliver Charles Oliver Triangle choked and actually won my submission in round one, is he? Is Oliver the goat? Stop making fun of my voice. No, <laughs> I can't help it, man. I would have <laughs> still said no, but I think at that point, then you more can begin people to have, have the conversation. Really, yeah, I'm with Sean. More people would have definitely taken up that argument. I would have disagreed, but it would have been a real one. Yeah, so. that's, a, that's, why, that's why I think he lost the most. That's, yeah, it's still a, a lot to lose opportunity cost-wise. Like He does I, not get many things he would have gotten had he won. I think Peter Yan's number two, though. Unfortunately, I'm not. I, I see yells, the argument. Yeah. He's still really I'm not yells. all the way there. It will depend a lot on what his next fight looks like because yeah. there's very much a possibility where, like, I don't know, the wheels just fall off the wagon. Because he didn't fight great tonight. Like, let's also be real <laughs> about that. We don't need to get into it, but it was not a great performance for him. No, I think he. I, I, I'm not gonna say he overlooked O'Malley, but it. I don't know if the overlooked. He the forced word a lot use, of stuff. He did. He looked like he I was he trying to send a message. I didn't think he expected Sean to be as sharp as he was because Sean was sharp tonight. Sean looked He great. was sharp. Yep. I love the stand switches. I liked everything that he did. It was it was fun. It was fun. Oh, he showed a lot post, of offense. O'Malley's post-fight interview, it, it felt like he had lost the fight. It was wild. Yeah. Like – but that's I'm gonna, good. I'm going to stop talking because this is – you guys are all jerks. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> no, I didn't say anything. I can see your faces. I see all your faces. Don't, you sound don't like if I, close my, if I close my eyes, you're 80 and you're ordering a coffee and you're like, how many sugars? Like it's, it's – uh, like, what, what, What's this kid in his crazy hair and his punching yeah. and grabbing? What are they doing? Just – Use your fists like you like we used in the old times. It's six thirty. You're too loud. Like that's it. I mean, that's that's what you sound like right now. I can't and I can't I can't put you any other way right now. What else we got? Let's take a couple more that we gotta go. Uh, do you guys think that this fight tarnishes TJ's legacy more? Yes or no? I legacy think you I, can tarnish it more. Yeah. I nah, I don't know. I I I push back on that a little bit because I think if TJ comes out here and he's totally healthy no shoulder issues and he just looks bad he just gets washed by aljo in the same way but there's no injury at all i think then people will start to would start have like oh you know look at him off the juice he's not looking very good even though the age thing is there as well so i think he he could have definitely hurt himself much more than he did that's a good argument um i'm willing to buy that i he got like a lot of love for being real tough or whatever which i'm sure i guess i don't know i don't know how to feel about that but I just – I think TJ is a is an interesting dividing line in MMA. Like uh, you – the people who are going to not like him, that that's sold and that's not changing. And the people who mm-hmm. don't care about the PED thing, I don't think their opinion's changing either. I think it is it, – it's just that. That issue is the tarnishing thing that will define his entire career and probably why he's not the GOAT even though he has a case to it. For Bantamweight GOAT? Yeah, he's got if case. You, if he would have won, think title, he is. There was a strong uh, argument to, for it. That feels baffling to me because the actual bantamweight goat beat him in a fight. I do not agree with that decision. 
Oh, so just bad decision. That's where you're going from. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I thought TJ but, won that fight. I, I also have a lot of just. I think Dominic Cruz is a bantamweight goat. I, it's his whole career is very difficult for me to kind of reckon with. It's hard to be a goat when you'd like don't fight a lot because you had to take like seven years off to injury. Like it's just really tough for me to reconcile that. Yeah. It's all right. Um, one more. We'll take one more. One more. One more. Oh, God. Casey, you can't speak anymore. No, nobody wants to talk about Carol Hossa. I mean, I was watching that fight just for the see of the Costanza theory. God, I was truly so real. that illegal knee ruled though. Like, it man. was awesome. I was <laughs> so excited about that. Like, fight. Legalize it. Um, legalize, legalize cool stuff. Like the rule of fun should exist. If it's cool, it's legal. That's just and I think and I think our whole thing with like just cheat, just keep cheating. It's, it still hasn't failed. It never except, failed. It will except never for fail. interestingly, I agree in principle. The biggest argument against that is if Piotr Jan hadn't thrown the stupidest knee in the history of the sport, he probably still has his belt and hasn't even fought. Like, because if he doesn't throw that knee, he's clearly beating Aljo at that point. They don't rematch off that. And then he's still the champion and he's not losing to Sean O'Malley. Like, it's. Yeah. I- I mean, there's, the I mean, there's, level, there's levels of cheating, though, right? Like, exactly. Like, exactly. I think we're at, we're advocating of like the lower level of cheating. Where like you know, I could like, go and like, scratch. Oh, Carol Rose's shot. knee was very similar to, to Beyonce's. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, I can go outside. Yeah, you go outside and slap a dude. The same thing. Yeah, you go outside and slap a dude. Like, you might get funny looks, but that's it. But if you go out there and just take a baseball bat to the back of somebody's <laughs> kneecap, like you're going, yeah. you're going to jail, bro. Like you're going to jail. Both there's are levels to this game, Jed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's they're, levels they're, of cheating. Ah, uh, like the grappling game. Aljamain <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sterling out here trying to tell Henry Cejudo, two-division champion, Olympic gold medalist, that there's levels. I, that man has got to be better. He has got to be better. <laughs> do the thing. Do the thing. Just do the thing. And by the way, yeah. let me just Also, how is this. he not calling out Sean O'Malley? Like, I want to fight that I'm guy. That's what I'm saying. Every like, person involved everyone else in this, sucking at it. Every person involved in that whole equation failed. It's so, like, a big a bag of money. Level. It's the closest <laughs> thing Aljo gets to fighting Connor, and it should be a really good matchup for him. How is he not like, yes, I would like to fight the clown, please. Thank you. What the He's doing, man. Tremendous. Okay. My post-fight column is just going to be UFC 280. Take away colon, do the thing. That's Why it. didn't you do the thing? In parentheses. That's it. Habib and Islam did. They know how to do the thing, and that's why they're the champion. Sometimes it ain't going to be perfect, but you still got to do the thing. And you just, you just got to do it to the best of your ability. I think we can all learn a lesson. I hope that's the, the title of Ariel's show on Monday, the MMA Hour. <laughs> do the thing with... I'm sure at a tremendous lineup of guests and it's just going to be great. So I think we can hit the music, Casey. I mean, also shouts to Nikita Krilov. Just That was a good no, fight. That no was to say shouts until, until some other things happened. That was fight of the night. And it was the only redeeming part of the undercard, frankly. Until Blah Muhammad did. Yeah. Because that fight yeah, was the, fun the, for as the, long as it lasted. I don't think of that as the undercard because this was a six fight main card in my head. It's just like, those are the six. That's the ones. 
Well, it was a good one. It, and I think the card on paper delivered for the most part. Now, there were some unfortunate things along the way, but storylines galore. We got what we anticipated for a post-fight show and, and beyond. These storylines are going to continue to trickle in. So thank you for sticking with us all day long. I had fun. We all had fun. So for Sean, for Jed, for Casey, I am Mike Heck. Thank you very much. Good night, everybody. The lightweight division has a champion, and his name is Izzel Makachev. I love you guys. Happy birthday, AK. <laughs> <laughs> sound like Roz from Monsters, Inc. <laughs> You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.